Hi, this is Sissy Young. I would like to share a memory of mine with you about Elvis Presley. I attended the concert on June 25, 1977 in Cincinnati, Ohio, which was Elvis's second to the last concert that he had ever performed. I was seated towards the back on the side of the stage, and what I remember is when he sat down and sang Unchained Melody, oh my goodness, I saw his long fingers, beautiful, beautiful, playing that piano. I will never, ever forget that. It gave me chills. Welcome to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Today's feature is a little bit different. It's something that I wrote called Elvis, the King of Hollywood. I hope you enjoy it. Being a legend like Elvis Presley, the looks, the hits, and his image it's easy to overlook his movies. Elvis made 31 feature films and two documentaries. Elvis wanted to be a film actor as much as he wanted to be a performer. Elvis grew increasingly upset as the years rolled along and an endless cookie cutter mentality was created after the success of his biggest picture, Blue Hawaii in 1961. The legendary Hal Wallace at Paramount Pictures and Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, were behind these cookie cutters. One of the first films to try and duplicate the success was Girls, Girls, Girls. Elvis said to co-star Stella Stevens, Why not success? In 1962, Elvis could say that, but he hoped for better projects. At the time, according to Stella, Elvis seemed upset at her suggestion of doing stage plays and owning his acting chops. I recall Stella telling me that she said, there's a play about a wolf boy and you would be perfect for this. And Elvis said, wolf boy? <laughs> Let's go back to 1956, the beginning of Elvis's dream of being a good actor. He had said, I wouldn't care much for singing in the movies. He took an acting test as well as another test, which was filmed in color performing blue suede shoes with a prop guitar it had no strings he passed the audition Elvis was first offered a part in the Rainmaker with Burt Lancaster and Katherine Hepburn but to the promising star's dismay Paramount loaned him out to 20th Century Fox to film the Reno Brothers A Civil War tune called R.L. Lee was transformed by songwriter Vera Matson with original lyrics. It became the title song of the movie. Nope, they didn't call it the Reno Brothers. Producers were so elated by the song that they renamed the movie Love Me Tender and added three more songs. Let Me, We're Gonna Move, and Poor Boy, complete with some gyrations on a couple of them, yet Elvis pulled it off. The film co-starred Deborah Paget, whom Elvis fell for. At the time, Paget was dating Howard Hughes. 
Cliff Gleaves, a friend of Elvis's, witnessed Hughes following Elvis as he tried to win Deborah's heart, but her mother would have no part of it. In the end, Elvis gave up. They did appear on the Milton Berle show together, and the film actually starred Richard Egan, and a supporting cast included William Campbell and James Drury, who in a few years would become TV's The Virginian. Elvis was credited as introducing Elvis Presley. Elvis gave a good acting job in Love Me Tender. Actually, if the three songs weren't included, it may have been a different beginning for Elvis. Ray Manzarek, the founder of The Doors, cited Love Me Tender as his favorite film, and he told me that it was also Jim Morrison's favorite picture that Elvis had done. Elvis's second film was for Paramount, Loving You. The film was tailor-made for Elvis by writer Hal Cantor. Cantor followed Elvis around on tour and back to his home in Memphis to get a real feel of Elvis's life. This is a fun gem and a classic picture. A great supporting cast for Elvis here. Elizabeth Scott, Wendell Corey, James Gleason, and the lovely Dolores Hart. Some good tunes and a hit album. The hit songs, Teddy Bear and Loving You are featured as well as the unforgettable Mean Woman Blues. A lot of exuberance in this picture, even with the extras. Loving You is a must for Elvis fans and those who have an interest in Elvis's life. Though fiction, it does mirror some aspects of his life, such as his personality and good nature, and it also captures the rebel Elvis and features Elvis's parents Vernon and Gladys Presley. They are seen during the final song. They're in the audience cheering their son on. Elvis's third picture was for Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. The title, Jailhouse Rock. Elvis's pal, George Klein, told me that it was really the big time Elvis had come to MGM. Elvis had Clark Gable's dressing room, and George spotted some Western stars like Glenn Strange and Bob Steele. Elvis held up shooting for a bit so he could talk with them. The formula for Elvis pictures at this time seemed good a handful of songs instead of a dozen, and a good story. Again, Elvis had a good supporting cast and classic songs, the title song and Baby I Don't Care. By the way, that's Elvis doing the bass runs on that recording. The beautiful song, Young and Beautiful, was sung to Elvis's leading lady, Judy Tyler. Tragically, Judy Tyler was killed on her honeymoon in a car crash. It devastated Elvis. George Klein told me that Elvis came to his door after he learned of Judy Tyler's passing and said, GK, let's drive around Memphis. Jailhouse Rock is a true classic and is enshrined in the Library of Congress to be preserved as a significant element of our cultural history. It's a must for any Elvis fan and film collector alike. Elvis does an impressive job. Alex Romero choreographed the dance number of the title song 
after Elvis showed him his moves. Romero incorporated it and it was easy for Elvis. Essentially, it is the very first music video long before MTV. Elvis was drafted to the United States Army. He asked for a deferment and he got it. He wanted to make his fourth movie, King Creole. This was Elvis's favorite motion picture that he ever did. The part was intended for James Dean as a boxer. Of course, Dean was killed in a traffic accident in 1955. It was a custom fit for Elvis as a singer in New Orleans. King Creole is the best of the Presley canon. Not only that, it is the only film that Elvis would really talk about. He was very proud of this film, and justly so. Without getting very much into the storyline, it is simply the film. If you would have any film to show Elvis's acting ability and great musical performances, this movie gives it. Top actors and actresses complement each other, and of course Elvis. Walter Matthau, Carolyn Jones, Dolores Hart once again, Vic Morrow, Jan Shepard, Dean Jagger, and Raymond Bailey, the future Mr. Drysdale on the Beverly Hillbillies. The grit and atmosphere of New Orleans, the music, the underbelly crime element of the city, the good and the bad, it's all here. The critics loved it, and if Elvis would have stayed on this path, the road to his films would have been much different. The film yielded two memorable hits, Trouble and the Hard-Headed Woman. There are many reasons to call Elvis Presley the King of Hollywood. Of course, Clark Gable was the old king, and sadly he passed away in 1960, just as the rock and roll king came back to Hollywood. Elvis admired Gable very much, and according to Elvis's pal Cliff Gleaves, Elvis called him a man's man. As the saying goes, the king is dead, long live the king. No one but Elvis could have pulled off the future weak scripts and still come away with success. In the mid-60s, Elvis told his friend Larry Geller that he wanted to give it all up at one point, the movies and his career. Larry talked Elvis out of it. By this time, he was deeper into his spiritual quest, something that Colonel Parker was threatened by. But that's another story in this series. Here, Cliff Gleaves talks about Elvis' films and going into the 60s. In this next segment, I was talking to Casey Kasem uh, about the Cliff Gleaves interviews that I did, and I'd only played just a portion of them on the air, and uh, I sent the rest to Casey, and he's commenting on it here. For you, for you, I did it more, I guess, for entertainment, I guess. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed, you know, hearing those interviews, and particularly one with you and Cliff. Well, thank you. I've got acres of Cliff. I even have a video that's... Uh, I've got one, too. Uh... I'm trying to think where I got it. I've got, I got one from Cliff. 
Casey went on to give me a little bit of advice for getting my interviews out. Fork, yeah. Well, you know, um, I think the thing you want to do is try and get somebody to, you know, who, who knows your work from back there. Mm-hmm. Who knows somebody from out here who can drop them a note saying, you know, uh, uh, you should have a meeting with, uh, with Don Wilson and, uh, and, and talk to him about what he can do to, you know, bring more listeners to your station with, with, with these shows that he does. As you heard Casey Kasem and I discussing, it was a Cliff Gleaves interview. Cliff was a one-of-a-kind personality, and I'm so honored and happy that I knew him. And uh, he kept Elvis up all the time, and he kept him in stitches because Cliff could be really funny at times. So let's pick up with my interview talking with Cliff about Elvis in the movies. The first one had meaning as far as trying to be an actor. The second one said, hey, I'm starring in this picture. The movies in the 50s were great, but did it bug Elvis that he didn't get media roles? Uh, probably on into the 60s, not the early 60s. Uh, I was uh, around frequently then, you know, even though uh, we were still friends, going up to the house on the weekend, every now and then I'd drop in on sets because I was working at that time, my wife was, so our social relationship kept up, but I wasn't like on the sets. But I was on the sets of uh, uh, the one I remember distinctly because I had a crush there on the great and the beautiful Lola Albright in uh, Kit Galahad. And I did, I was extra in Acapulco that fell in. Uh, let's see, uh, fun in Acapulco, Kit Galahad, Speed Waves on the set. I visited in California in 66 and this didn't went back to Florida, but I was on those sets. So I'm going to use 66 for a marker. Enjoyed that picture with Nancy Sinatra and enjoyed doing it. Cars, Elvis loved cars and liked doing that. Probably, and I'm guessing now because I was not on the sets anymore, I'm now living in Florida and uh, not out in California anymore. Um, he, I think he felt that, like you said, the word meteor rolls, uh, heavier rolls, whatever the word is. Yeah, I think they began to get at him uh, because of his desire to be a quote unquote serious actor. That's why the bug was there. You know, uh, when the money, it was the fact that he would like to uh, become uh, a serious actor and could not do it in the films he was making because they were lightweight comedy pictures. But some of the, Norman Turok, I believe, was one man, and I think Richard Thorpe, these are directors now, that Norman Turok and Richard Thorpe was considered the fastest director in, in, in the business because he edited as he shot. When he said cut, that's where you edit. You didn't have to go running through film. But the, uh, it was one of these two gentlemen that said uh, Elvis had, I believe it was Norman Turok, that, uh, where he got the idea of the cape. You knew that, didn't you? Play it on me, Cliff. You didn't know that? Well, uh, I'm sure for, our, like for, our, for our listeners. People would like to know that. Yeah, how did Elvis uh, start wearing a cape? Well, here's how it happened. He was over visiting Norman Turok, the director. Norman really liked Elvis. And uh, in his office there, when they, I believe it was the office, he first saw it. Turok had some old pictures of himself. And he wore these capes. Back in the old days, he did that. Cecil B. Cecil B. DeMille wore the boots. Remember how they had that look? Directors, heavy-duty sunglasses and boots and stuff. Well, Turok wore this cape, like they do in London. You know, it's still, a, I think, a, in London, they still do this. Uh, instead of a coat, it's a cape that slips over the shoulder. But he looked at that, and he said, Wow, Mr. Turok, I really like that. And that's where he got the idea later on to that cape. 
Now that came from a real good source. And I've forgotten who it was, but they said, Cliff, did you ever know why Elvis got into that cape? I said, no, when he told the story. Hi, Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat is the latest up-to-date information on all your favorite stars. This is Mindy Miller. Hello, everyone. This is Sissy Young. I would like to invite you to my Elvis Presley fan club group. So if you're interested, please go to Facebook and type in Elvis, find out what's happening then and now and then just click on join. We would love to have you. And remember, you heard this on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me next time on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Remember, I can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Breaker, Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Please check out my website at www.donwilsonshollywoodbeat.com and join me here next time. Remember, keep rocking and don't tip over.